Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Uh, moving on. Um, the issue of uh, carbon pricing is uh, proving to be, I suppose, a somewhat contentious issue here in Alberta as the uh, NDP are, are pursuing a, a new policy of uh, a carbon tax. I think part of the concern, well, I think part of it is the mere fact that we're putting a price on carbon. Not everybody's happy about that. But there's also the fact, I think, that this is not a revenue-neutral carbon tax. And this is not occurring in a vacuum either. Because we do still have other regulations uh, on the books in Alberta. And it's unclear exactly how this is all going to work. In terms of uh, how offsetting the rebates will be, what the government intends on, on spending all of this, this new revenue on. But the argument's been made by uh, numerous economists that if we want to reduce CO2 emissions, the simplest way is to put a price on carbon. That that's preferable to complicated regulations. Uh, But that doesn't necessarily mean that a carbon price will always be effective. There's a new report out today from the uh, School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary uh, that offers uh, some some thoughts on the potential pitfalls of carbon pricing. It's called A Practical Guide to the Economics of Carbon Pricing. Uh, joining us on the line is the uh, author of this study, Ross McKittrick, who's a professor of economics uh, at the University of Guelph and CBE Chair in Sustainable Commerce and is also Research Chair in Energy, Ecology and Prosperity with the Frontier Center for Public Policy. Dr. McKittrick, good afternoon. Hi, Rob. Good afternoon. All right. Well, give us an overview of, of how you're coming at this, uh, that, that carbon pricing in theory can be simple and straightforward, but it's not necessarily always the case in practice. Well, you discussed in your introduction uh, the contrast between the simplicity of a carbon price and the complexity of a package of regulation. And the problem in Canada is the government went the complex route. They, At both the federal and provincial levels, they brought in lots of regulations. And the regulations are pretty expensive, and especially some of the new ones out there in Alberta. Uh, they have a very high cost for industry and households. And now they're talking about carbon pricing. Well, it's too late now. Um, carbon pricing is something you need to do instead of all that regulation. If you just bring in carbon pricing now on top of all those regulations, you're not going to get any of the economic efficiency from it. All they're going to do is just lay on more costs and uh, and probably just uh, increase the inefficiency of the whole system. So that's one of the main points in the report, that um, if they want to talk about carbon pricing, that's fine. It's a good idea. But first, you have to be prepared to get rid of all the regulations that they've put in place up till now and start from a, a clean slate. Right. And, and I think the problem is that, that governments at all levels right across the country have all kinds of different regulations on, on the books. So what, what are the kinds of regulations then that are pertinent to this question and assessing what the impacts of, of carbon pricing might be? Well, a couple of examples. One would be the ethanol 
mandates uh, that the federal government brought in. Another would be the coal phase-out plan in Ontario, which has been completed, and the one that's underway in Alberta. Uh, some of the um, energy efficiency regulations that have been brought in, and then also the emissions cap that was imposed on the oil and gas sector. Those, those are the kinds of regulations that um, uh, they're, they're costly to the economy, and uh, they also make it impossible for a carbon pricing system to achieve economic efficiency. Well, and explain that point, because it, it should be then that the carbon price is enough. If you're going to put a tax on carbon, you shouldn't need to do any more. So it, it does seem uh, redundant or maybe even counterproductive to then go ahead and put a, uh, an emissions limit on the, the oil sands, because then if you're going to impose an emissions limit, then why the carbon tax? Yeah, so an important point about a, a carbon tax is is not that it charges everyone a floor price, but it sets a ceiling price. It says that we want you to pay up to this amount for your abatement options, but don't go above this amount. And it gives the private sector an incentive to look for the, the cheapest and most effective ways of reducing emissions. That's the whole economic logic of, of a carbon tax. But then if you couple that with regulations, like if we if we have a $20 a ton carbon tax, but we also have regulations that in order to comply with them cost uh, $1,000 a ton, which is what some of them cost, then you've just destroyed the, the economic mechanism. And, and you're in effect, you're... You're putting a tax in place, but then you're also forcing people to pay quite a bit more than the tax uh, for the regulatory compliance. But I guess the concern that that those who favor that kind of approach would have is that if it's just the CO2 tax, you you don't have the same kind of uh, guarantees about uh, emission reductions. Well, that's the essence of using a market-based system that... The regulator can either, if the regulator wants to pick a quantity, um, then they have to uh, live with the price that the market sets. The reason that people like the idea of carbon pricing is it lets the, the government say, this is the amount we want you to pay, but then you have to let the market pick the quantity that goes with it. And in an economic uh, framework, that makes more sense in the carbon case, that um, we have a much better idea of the social cost of carbon emissions. And if you charge people that, and then you let the market choose the, the quantity, then you're le- more likely to get uh, an outcome that makes sense. But when they choose these arbitrary reductions, everybody likes numbers like 30%. We're going to cut emissions by 30% by the year 2020. They're just pulling those numbers out of thin air. There's no There's no rationale to them. So I don't like these arbitrary quantity targets. And then the, traditionally, what happens and it happened with the Kyoto debate back in the early part of the last decade. The government picked a magic number, said we want to cut emissions to five percent below 1990 levels, but then they couldn't live with the costs. They they asked what it would cost, and, and it was going to cost way too much to get there, so they just um, abandoned the whole plan. We'll we'll go through the same thing over and over again as long as governments are trying to pick arbitrary quantity targets and not pay attention to the the cost and the inefficiency of getting there. Well, but even the price of itself, the, the level at which you're going to tax carbon, it seems arbitrary because th- th- there doesn't seem to be a magic number. I mean, obviously, there's a concern that too low and it's going to make no difference, too high, and it's going to have too much economic harm. But where's, where's the sweet spot? Well, I do discuss that at some length in the report. Um, one of the problems with 
something like CO2 is, is carbon dioxide is that in order to try to calculate the social cost, it's a modeling exercise with a lot of assumptions and change the assumptions a little bit and you get very different numbers. So it's only recently the case that there's, there's more in the way of empirical evidence that can begin to guide the modeling work and begin to settle on, on some numbers that are defensible. And the numbers come out pretty low. And what that means is that uh, we shouldn't really be looking at targets that are all that ambitious at this point based on the evidence that we have. So, yeah, charge a, a price but make it a fairly low price that isn't going to uh, do too much damage and recycle the revenue back into the economy rather than just boosting government spending with it. So it should come with, with offsetting tax reductions? Yes, that is by far the best option. Uh, a problem arises like Ontario's planning to use its cap-and-trade revenue to subsidize green strategies. That just undermines the, the logic of using the market to choose um, which green strategies you should follow. Because the market will choose some and reject the others, and then if the government goes and uses the revenue to subsidize what the market rejected, then they've just destroyed the whole structure of the policy. So, yes, the, the government should do like British Columbia does, just don't touch the money, just recycle it directly into income tax reductions. Okay, well, it, it goes. It doesn't go unnoticed that the Alberta government uh, at this point seems to be making all the, the errors you, you caution against in this report. So what do you think the impact of the, the uh, carbon tax here is going to be? Well, whatever its impact is going to be, what it means is that it's going to cost your economy way more than it has to for the... Um, accomplishment that you can point to afterwards. It'll be the same in Ontario. They, they might be able to, in the end, point to some reductions in carbon dioxide emissions. The problem is they will have cost far more than they needed to because they used a poorly designed policy structure. Now, if the response then uh, is to simply, well, let's let's get rid of the carbon tax, and that may prove to be politically popular, that doesn't necessarily constitute uh, an emissions reduction plan. And, and should we be worried that if, if a carbon tax is perceived to fail, that the emphasis is going to be simply on more regulation? Well, um, it depends on, on why it failed, or even what you mean by fail. I mean, if you decide that um, a ton of carbon dioxide costs the world $25 in social damages, and you charge people that, then it's working. Then you, you, people are paying the cost. And if they pay it and decide they're going to still use as much fossil fuels as before, that, that's fine. That's part of the market process. What you can't do at that point and say, is say, well, we charge everyone $25 a ton, and people hardly cut their emissions, so the, the tax isn't working. No, it, it's working, the market's working, the system is working as it should. You, what you don't get to do, though, is have this arbitrary magic emission reduction number that you wanted to hit. Um, that's the concern I have, that the governments have these arbitrary quantity targets in mind, which um, it, always, it always seems to come out of these international meetings and they all want to one-up each other and one person's promising 20%, another person's promising 30%. And, and at that point, you're not really dealing with rational policymaking. It's, it's more like this strange bidding war. <laughs> rational policymaking. If only we had more of that, eh? <laughs> that would be good. Uh, we'll leave it there, Ross. Uh, people can read this report for themselves. It's up at policyschool.ca. Really insightful. Thanks so much for joining us here. Appreciate it.
Okay, thanks, Rob. Take care. Ross McKittrick, uh, Professor of Economics, University of Guelph, also Research Chair of the Frontier Center for Public Policy. So this uh, report put out today by the uh, School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary. Again, policyschool.ca, that's their website. Uh, There it is right there, Practical Guide to the Economics of Carbon Pricing. You can download it right off the website. Uh, we got to take a break here. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.